What if you could have more fulfillment and ease in your professional and personal life and still be ambitious? Join me, Kathy Onetto, founder of Sustainable Ambition, for conversations with experts, authors, and friends on what it means to live with sustainable ambition. Learn concepts, tips, and tools to craft a fulfilling career on your terms while still being ambitious and avoiding burnout. For show notes from this episode, visit sustainableambition.com slash podcast. Now, let's learn more to help you craft your career to support your life from decade to decade. On to today's conversation. Hi, everyone. Before we get into today's conversation, I thought I would just do a little bit of an introduction. You're going to hear me on this episode with my good friend, Wade Brill. She was on the podcast with me early on back in episode number five. And Wade is a mindfulness coach. She's also a podcaster and a speaker. You can find her podcast. It's called Centered in the City. And in this conversation, we're going to be talking about something that we're really passionate about, and that's pace. And it's just a topic that has been relevant to the work that each of us does. And we thought we would go a little bit deeper in conversation together. Now, if you've been listening to the podcast here, you know that I've talked about pace on a few other episodes in the past year. So most recently on episode number 52, I talked about setting your own pace. And then last year on episode 39, I talked about rethinking and shaping your time. So I don't cover the same, you know, topics that I did in those episodes. In this conversation with Wade, we, we look at a couple of different things and we explore new territory. And as part of the conversation, we end up sharing our own experiences of working with and experiencing pace. This is the second episode where we talk about ambitions and goals and pace. So a little bit different topic here, a little bit more maybe related to sustainable ambition. So we talk about how does pace show up when we consider ambitions and where that interest intersects, if you will, with life and work. We hope at minimum with both of these episodes that we raise awareness for you of the power of thinking about pace, both in your daily experiences and how you manage your personal and professional ambitions. So before we dive in, as I typically do, let me first reintroduce you to Wade. Wade Brill is a mindfulness coach, podcaster, and speaker who helps busy professionals experiencing stress and overwhelm be more present, productive, and energized. At the age of 21, Wade survived Hodgkin's lymphoma while simultaneously losing her mother to leukemia. This major life interruption inspired ways to realize how precious life is and that practicing radical self-care is smart, not selfish. Wade devotes her life's work to helping others connect to their own inspiration. Wade is a professional certified coach, energy leadership index practitioner, and meditation facilitator through UCLA's Semmel Institute of Neuroscience and Human Behavior. She hosts the popular Centered in the City podcast, as I mentioned earlier, and is the creator of the Centered in the City on-demand platform, offering modern meditations and self-care resources for busy professionals. Wade is a recognized speaker at conferences, companies, and retreats. She helps busy professionals create calm and clarity amidst chaos and realize the importance of their one mind, one body, and one life. 
So I love being in conversation with Wade. She is a person in my life who helps me on my journey of sustainable ambition. She often serves as a sounding board and voice that reminds me to really find that calm in my life. As I said earlier, she helps busy professionals create calm and clarity amid chaos. And I'm really grateful to have her as a voice in my life to help me find that for myself on my sustainable ambition journey. Now with that, I hope you enjoy these conversations. Let's jump in. So wait on this conversation or in this conversation, we're going to keep our conversation on pace going. And we wanted to focus on how we think about pace and how it relates to striving and goals. And so that was something that came up for both of us as we kind of were thinking about pace. So we kind of talked last time about pace and how we experience it and when like when does fast pace work for us? When does slow pace work? How do we know if it feels good or not? Um, but when you think about it, like, what do you think people need to think about when considering like pace of life and goals? Yeah. Oh God, this is such a big question because I would say if you asked me when I was a teenager, I would think like you have, you know, your whole life to achieve these like big, awesome things and, you know, enjoy the journey kind of. However, I was diagnosed with cancer at the age of 21. And at the same time, I lost my mother to her own battle with cancer. And so this became a huge rupture in my life of how short and precious life is and can be. And that created a huge sense of urgency in me and a huge sense of life is short. So if we have goals and ambitions, like the time is now, you just got to do it. Like you can't assume you can achieve that in your thirties or forties or fifties. And so it really created this pressure shift, which then created a lot of anxiety for me. And I remember after getting healthy and I was trying to look for other young adult survivors because Young adult survivors are a very like interesting bracket between there are a lot of children with cancer and there are a lot of adults with cancer, but young adults is like this very small niche community. And it was hard to find people. And I was curious to hear if they felt that same way, that they felt that anxiety. And I didn't get that sense from that many people that I connected to around it. However, I kind of sat with that and, and, how to learn how to not let the anxiety be my driver on achieving my goals, because that was making me feel like I had to be reactive with my goals. And if I wasn't achieving my goals and I was failing, and if I was failing, then what if I died the next day? And then like, what was my life? You know, so it just created this huge spiral. So I think pace is huge then to bring it back into this conversation around goals and ambition and, and how we're, how we're being with it. Yeah. Wow. That's so powerful, Wade. And I'm, I'm wondering where, where you sit with that now, have you found a way to kind of like, look at your goals and kind of be like, I don't have to achieve it all right now. Like, yes, life is short, but there's no way I can put a hundred years of living, say into the next year. So how do you kind of sit with that? Or how do you kind of think about that pacing now? 
Yes. So I've had to switch my relationship to the word goals because I don't use goals as the end all be all. What I really ground into are setting intentions. So at the beginning of the year, I have a workshop around this and I do do this process myself as an, I call it the intention setting party workshop. And it's an opportunity to think about, you know, what's my word of the year? What's my kind of mindset motto for the year? And this year it's bold and love. And so I then think about, okay, how do I get to live bold in love in all of the areas of my life? And then what are some tangible goals or actions that I want to create through this lens of bold and love? And so that then helps me feel like I'm living in alignment and doing things that feel connected to me and how I want to live versus, you know, I need a Uh, read 20 books by the end of the year. And I need to make this much money in 2022. And I want to travel to this many places. And that feels so random and like pressurized. And so when I come from this place of intention and allow that to be my lens, it helps create a steady pace so that I'm connected to the goals. And there's a deep sense of why that's keeping me connected. Mm. I love that. And it makes me think about this question that I was wondering about as we were talking about this topic, which is, you know, what are some of the challenges around finding the right pace around goals? And you sharing that brought up, I was listening to a podcast episode recently where the speaker talked about this idea of like, where does your rating scale come from? Mm. Right. And so these rating scales that we have that create these external pressures around goals, say, and like have to get there fast or what have you, um, can put this external pressure um, and, and define things in a way that isn't so supportive of us around pacing things in our life, if you will. And so I, I'm just I'm going there, I guess, because I'm I'm sensing this setting an intention I think points you in in a better direction perhaps than kind of sometimes these external rating scales that we're working with. Mm. When you say rating scales, Kathy, tell me a little bit more. Like, are you, are we saying that as this is good and this is bad or like, you know, I give them five stars versus two stars. (laughs) Yeah. It's kind of like, if you think about how does society define success Mm. and, you know, even around this idea of pace, like where, where do I think we get some things wrong around, you know, defining, you know, goals and, and, and pace. And it's kind of like, well, you should get to the top fast. Like in some ways, okay, I get it. Uh, that that's, admirable, right? But like, I kind of hate these like lists, like the 30 under 30 or the 40 under 40, like, you know? And so I think these external rating scales where we have these measures of what we think success is, as opposed to setting our own intentions for our selves and our lives and our goals or what we're trying to achieve instead of feeling this intensity. I don't know. I'm trying to thread the needle there, but yeah. No, you're bringing up a, I think a really important point. And I appreciate you elaborating on on what you meant by ratings, because I, for instance, I just started working with this client who is about to turn 40 and similar to like when you turn 30, these big milestones become this moment of like, holy shit, where am I in my life? Am I doing what matters? What have I accomplished? You know, that can spiral people into 
how have I been living? And I think it's a beautiful opportunity to take a moment. I'm a, I'm a huge person, you know, you and I both being coaches, right? We're big fans of taking that time to reflect and connect the dots in our life. And, but it's true. It's like 40 is such an arbitrary number. 30 is such an arbitrary number. It's just made up in society as like, you're supposed to be here at these different stages of life where those don't really matter. They're made up. Our world has made them up. And then we create kind of judgments then on ourselves about where we should or shouldn't be along, along those, you know, societal beliefs. For sure. Yeah. And it creates a lot of unnecessary pressure, right? In terms of um, these milestones I'm supposed to get to. And we talked about this idea around like how pacing can get complicated when you bring comparison into it. And again, you're looking externally to yourself and that can be on a number of different measures. Like, as you're saying, am I where I, like, if I'm comparing myself to other people, Am I where other people are in this journey? And that can be both on professional life. It can be on pers- in personal life as well, where you start to feel this external pressure to kind of like speed up your life, if you will, or, you know, and instead of just kind of living in, in your own journey, I'm curious what you think about that, Wade, in terms of like how comparison kind of shows up in this narrative too. Well, yeah. And it makes me curious, Kathy, to even just highlight like these ambitious achievers that I know both of us love to work with. It's like how that mindset is so built up in, in how they identify themselves and how they find, um, purpose. And, and, um, I don't want to say like it's wrong or, or right, but I think, you know, when we compare, we despair, typically. And so it can be really helpful to recognize when are we in these comparison loops and putting ourselves in these rating boxes that don't mean anything. And when can we create our own level of success? Like what does success actually look like? What, what are goals that are actually important to ourselves? What are deadlines or uh, declared dates that actually feel meaningful and purposeful to us, not because society saying, you know, we need to have three kids at, and a house and a dog at the age of 33. Yeah, for sure. And I think what you're bringing up for me, Wade, is some of the stuff that I talk about with sustainable ambition, where I want to champion people looking to find, to find success for themselves and also really being honest about their own ambitions and then aligning pace to that. And really to look at how do I align ambition and pace together? And, and, and just because I don't think people look at this very often, you know, I think we're saying, you know, we like to talk about this concept of pace, but we don't think people like think about it there. It's, it, there's, we often just let life take us, right? And and the rhythm of life take us as opposed to kind of being intentional, going back to your word you said earlier. And I just think it's so important because, um, you know, I, I personally feel, and I talk about this, that I think that our ambitions ebb and flow over time. And I also think, as you're saying, when people get to some of those inflection points in their life, they get surprised by it and they don't, they aren't aware because it's not something we talk about that much that our ambitions can go up and down or our desire to kind of change our pace or our focus can, can shift. And so I think it's, 
helpful to kind of start the dialogue around some of that um, and to really look to align those for ourselves. Kathy, where do you feel like ambition comes from? Do you feel like it's a trait where born with? Is it something you learn from society? Like, I'm just curious what you've kind of noticed with your clients or even yourself. Well, it's funny because I'm digging into ambition a bit right now. And based on my reading and some recent, you know, things that I've been listening to as well, my takeaway is that ambition to be human is to be ambitious. And mm, there are these that. very natural parts of ourself that, um, they, like the, the, the conversation that I'll, and I'll link to this podcast in, in the show notes, but like this was, um, from a being well podcast and the conversation what they were talking about was it's a very natural thing, both in humans as, as in animal societies, that there is this natural hierarchy that starts to happen or where people fight to kind of get to the top. But what they were also saying is that there's a natural tendency for us to also be collaborative. And so, and, you know, across the world, our cultures are different. So this starts to bring in where you're saying way too, like, is it just, you know, some, where does it come from? Where does ambition come from? Um, so I think there are some innate things within us. Um, and yet, of course, there's cultural, there's societal, there's familial, there's a lot of different things that can influence us and help to shape where our, our, how our ambitions start to take shape. Mm-hmm. Um, but in, in one of the things that I loved about some of the reading that I've been doing recently is just this idea of that our world needs a little bit more spaciousness for mm-hmm. different types of ambition, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and really when I say types, it's kind of like, like, what does one's ambition look like? Like one of the articles I was reading also was kind of saying like, who's to say that, say a professional ambition is better than a familial ambition, say, right? So I don't know, there's a lot to play with there and to kind of unpack. Yeah, so evolutionary, right? That sense of ambition just to be human. I love how you phrase that. And also in our modern day world, I feel like capitalism is a huge piece of feeling the need to be ambition a bit ambitious and our economy, right? I know a lot of reading I've been doing, it's this kind of pressure of if we are not working really hard and, and working at a fast pace to, sh- to prove and show our worth and that we're valuable, we kind of need to do that in order to um, have our career and our job protected in a world of uncertainty. And that kind of ambition and pace, I think can then throw us off of like, what are our actual life goals? Because we just get trapped in the doing and the needing kind of to survive. Yeah. It's kind of what's coming to mind for me, Wade, and that is what often gets portrayed in media say is a celebration of like, where did the the term even hustle culture come from? Right. And, or, you know, what, what often gets celebrated is, is like, like we were, I was saying earlier, the 30 under thirties, the 40 under 40, um, the people that move quickly or the, the busyness or the people that are overworking or having a side hustle or, (laughs) or ran the race the fastest. Right. 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 
Yeah. So, and, and that's, you know, in one of my recent podcast interviews with um, an ultra marathoner, what was really fabulous for him to say in contrast to that, right? He said, you have people at the end of these hundred mile races where the last person in is getting just as much celebration as the first person in, right? It's more about mm. the journey than Beautiful. it is about the actual, like who won the race. Um, so that's really interesting as well. And, and it brings me, it kind of points me to this idea. We all are on our own journey mm-hmm. and running our own races, right? Mm-hmm. It comes back to that kind of um, comparative narrative that we were talking about. Yeah. And what's the pace that you want to run your life's journey or walk your life's journey at? Mm-hmm. For sure. For sure. That brings up your way you're bringing in kind of life's journey too. And, um, you know, one of the things that can often come up when we talk about like personal life is how does one kind of manage their ambitions or goals for their life when they have a partner? And this is something I know you kind of have talked about. And I think one of the conversations I've had before are on the podcast, I don't know if you ever watched the show Borgen, but they talk about where um, the the woman is the prime minister of Denmark and she um, and her husband are taking, you know, she's supposed to become prime minister and, you know, kind of take the lead in, in, or just, he's going to help take care of the family during that time. Well, you know, she kind of steps into this big role. And so it's kind of this taking turns in a relationship. Um, it didn't work out so well in, in that show, but, um, still there's this pacing of kind of like, how do you live your life with your partner or when you have a family and how do you kind of think about that? How do you, do you have any thoughts on that? Oh my gosh, this is so real for my husband and I right now. It's something that we're processing as we're exploring the topic of families and, you know, growing in, in that stage of life. You know, one of the things that we do every year, we've probably been doing it for the last five, probably even more, seven years is a partner review process. And I actually even, because I've been doing it and it's been so helpful for us, I I created a little online course that I offer at the end of the year, into the beginning of the year around it. But it's really helpful because it sets us down. We carve out like hours of time, light a candle, make it kind of a fun, again, little ritual and talk about and reflect on how did the last year go? Where are we right now? And then what do we really want to be prioritizing this next year? And we talk about it from a personal perspective as well as a relationship perspective. And it can be as small as things of like, you know, what are house priority projects that you have versus me? Because you, these are things that you might assume you're on the same page with, but be like, whoa, you really want to prioritize, you know, the building of the shed versus the garden. Like, right. It's just, is, is it helpful to talk about it because you can't assume. So that is helpful in like, how are we going to pace and set those goals together? I think one of the challenges is around, um, you know, pace and managing like career ambitions of, different cycles and seasons of, you know, who gets to be the breadwinner and what does that get to look like? And does the breadwinner actually 
spend more time working and work harder or faster than the other person? Is it this, like, it's a very, it's complex and setting then those goals and, you know, planning for retirement and planning for how much kids cost these days and planning for expanding our house, right? These are all these life and personal goals that we're, we're working on, um, managing and fitting in. And I think reminding something I have to remember all the time is it all doesn't have to get done this year. Like it's not, you know, and that is really helpful because I'm like, oh, if it's in my mind, that means it has to get done. But just so that helps kind of slow down the pace or the internal pressure that I can put on us. Um, But what about you, Kathy? I mean, you and your husband have been married longer than me and my husband. I'd love to hear wisdom that you, that you have as a relationship. Yeah. I mean, we're celebrating our 20th anniversary this year, which I'm quite proud of. I know. And, um, you know, it's interesting. I'll admit we don't have kids. So I think that makes things a little bit easier. And yet, even as I say that we absolutely have cadenced things in our lives or in our careers, and maybe a little bit more naturally than necessarily, plan. So even at a time when like, okay, my husband left his job and he wanted a little bit more flexibility and he was doing consulting meant that I stayed in my full-time job, even though I was desperate to take a sabbatical. And yet I stayed in a job for two or three years longer than I probably would have wanted to because we needed that income stability. And we, you know, it was just how things were working out with each of our careers Um, versus now I'm kind of doing this, my independent, my business, and he has um, a full-time job. And so we have that stability and healthcare through through his role. And so we definitely talk about these things, um, but it's been a little bit more fluid and but we're present to it so that we understand how are we being responsible, right? While supporting these different ambitions that each of us has. I think one of the things too that we've done is that we've also, I think, been very supportive of each of of each other when we've wanted to downshift. So um, I don't think my husband will mind that I share this. And I think it's a reality and it's true, which is, you know, prior to us getting married, he had been working in a corporate job for many years, had a great paying job. And he decided to do a pivot and he's always loved woodworking. And he ended up quitting his job. This was prior to us getting married. And he took a job in a woodworking, a fine woodworking shop and did that for about two and a half years to see, hey, do I want to actually this passion thing that I had, do I want to make that my job? And so that was a time when I was supporting his creative endeavor and wanting to explore that in his career. And I took the corporate job and was kind of the primary breadwinner. He was definitely earning income, but not what he used to and not at the level that I was doing. And so that's how we've kind of taken different stages in our career where we've each supported each other. Um, and, and he kind of does the same for me, has done the same for me at different stages as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've seen some other relationships model, you know, both partners can be ambitious and there can be sustainability in their goals and, and they're working and they can't do it all. So that's when they also hire additional help, you know, and there's ways, cause I think that's some, a mentality that we have 
in our individualistic American culture society of like, I can do it all by myself. And if I ask for help, I'm weak, or that means I'm not strong or, you know, whatever the other internal dialogue. But sometimes it's just smart, right? We need it because we do have limited time and attention. And if we want to go far and fast and have big income and impact, we will probably need support, right? We need teams. We need to work together to achieve big things. For sure. Yeah. And what, what brought, what came to mind as you were saying that way, it is one of my favorite lessons from Brene Brown. Even if I haven't fully like always used this, I think it's something that's really powerful that I think couples can tap into, which is she, she talks about a time in her career where her husband is a physician and has a busy work schedule. And there's been times in her life where she writes about this in one of her books, where she talks about where she has her speaking career and she's been on the road and she's, you know, he's had a busy day. And then she comes home and is like, he's kind of like, Hey, I've been with the kids all week. It's your turn. And she's had a busy week on the road. And essentially she would come home and they essentially learned that they needed to check in and be like, okay, where are you at in terms? I'm going to forget exactly the word she used. I totally know. Yes. Yeah. What's your capacity right now. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like, okay, well, I'm at, I only have 20% capacity left and this person only has 10, right? And so you're both kind of at the end, but it's like the person with 20 is going to step up and it's kind of like, hey, the 10% person needs to go get rejuvenated before they can kind of then come in and kind of um, take the lead. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. tag team. And I think that's a really smart thing to do and Mm. to just be really present with each other. Like, Hey, how do we support each other in Mm -hmm. this thing, in this journey called life? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's a huge, you know, what's coming alive for me is, is you shared this and I've heard Brene talk. I think she talks about that in one of her talks too. Um, Or maybe it's her podcast. I don't know. I hear her voice in my head uh, um, as you share the story, but um, is that in order for it to be sustainable, we need community. We can't do it alone. And I think that is so essential. And and whether you have a partner or you're not, like you still need community. You need a network of people who have your back or can help you hold the load or can help you process things or help you have clarity so that you can go still have that big impact. I think that's really, really important. I feel like community and who you surround yourself with and that support system is coming up so much in so much of the research that I'm doing. And I think we've often forget how important that community really is in helping us um, strive and sustain, you know? And like you're saying, we actually go out and have the kind of impact that we need or, or want to have that we need, really that we want to have out in the world. Yeah. I'm curious, Wade, like where you might think um, we have challenges around finding pace around goals. Like I'll, I'll throw one out that I feel relates to this topic that we're, we've been talking about. Um, because I think that one of the things that happens, and I mentioned it earlier, is that I think ambition can ebb and flow and that sometimes we want to slow down and take our pace down around goals. And, um, 
And I think oftentimes what I hear from people is that they feel guilty. Like they've been Mm. ambitious in the past and it's not like they're completely not ambitious, but it's just, they're like, I just don't want to be operating at the pace that I had been operating at. And so they're like, I want to take things down a notch, but it feels really uncomfortable. And there's both this sense of, Again, maybe there's because of the external societal pressure that there's a little bit of guilt, um, but they find it challenging to kind of allow themselves to step into that. And maybe there's a little bit of fear of judgment as well Mm -hmm. behind that. So I'm curious if you have any thoughts on that. Yeah. What you're framing right now reminds me of a conversation I had with a client the other week who she's a young mom and um, one kid and the kid is almost a year. And so she's been back to work, you know, the last six plus months. And she's realizing work is a lot. It's a lot to have a little kid. It's a lot to work. And she has a pretty big position at a small startup. And she's kind of wanting to downshift part of her and to be able to down, I should say downshift at work, but upshift in mommy time, you know, mommy time and attention. And she can't do both, right? She can't upshift both. And I think that is what's really hard for, I'll just say people, because I don't think it's just women. I think women have, you know, a lot of the pressure to be more mommy centric, but I would say people, I'm sure dads feel this way too, is, you know, how can you, how do you decide what ambition, where your ambition gets to go. Because ambition shouldn't just be about work, right? It should be about the goals, life goals that you have, that you get, that you talk about, Kathy, you know, in your book and having that clarity around it because it is ambitious to have a kid. It is ambitious to grow a family and how you can honor that. But yet there's this internal conflict she was feeling of, you know, I'm afraid that people at work are going to think I'm not capable. And then what's going to happen to my career and my advancement? And if I get taken off of a project, like what does that mean for my sense of self and my sense of identity? And so I think it can be really challenging when we then have a conflict of ambition, you know, when our values are at conflict and how we want to be exerting and growing and challenging ourselves. So you know, we definitely talked about that. We talked it through. And I think just the expect, having like a expectation reset, you know, I think is so important because we put this like super woman image out there that we can do it all, be it all, all the time. But that's again, not sustainable, right? We talk about sustainable ambition. So really like, what are the clear expectations you have? I think is essential. Yeah, this is something, it's so interesting what you're bringing up, Wade, this conflict of ambition. And I think it can show up in a number of different ways. So this idea of kind of like, just to simplify things, say professional life versus personal life kind of ambitions and and how do you navigate that, right? And that can get conflicted by societal norms, right? And how those are perceived. And then Gosh, workplace norms. And this is one where I think that we, workplaces, I think need to shift in terms of how they think about this. Personally, I think that pacing is something that needs to be brought into the mindset of workplaces. It's kind of like, because it used to be that 
the majority of people that went to the office were men and were leaders. And fortunately, there's still too, you know, that that's where it leans and not enough women leaders, but um, that there isn't this conscientiousness that, hello, like a natural part of human life is that people have families and babies are born. And what does that mean? And how does that need to factor into how our society functions? And we still haven't adjusted to that. And so, um, you know, there, there are these things that kind of get in the way of people being able to manage those different ambitions. But yet even saying that, there are, just as you're saying, these uneasy, even if you took away those societal kind of pressures, if you will, or boundaries, I still think what you're describing is like people themselves feel these natural tensions. And I've heard it from clients too, and they wrestle with them. And they're kind of like, how do I find some spaciousness with this? Um, and I don't know if it's always easy um, to kind of come to terms with that. Yeah. And I would say clients who are in corporate who are really ambitious in their work life. And yet corporate is kind of the one that's being the block because there's a slower process in the promotions or in the switching of the teams, or there's kind of a, you know, dance that needs to be done that they don't have control of the timing. And so to then that can be a huge block and then in feeling ambitious there and their interests could wane. And that's where they start to get maybe a little antsy or don't see a place for their growth or trajectory there. And so then start to pivot and want to look elsewhere. So that also, you know, shows up as a, as a big block for people on how they get to grow and stretch um, their ambition. For sure, because there aren't these like models or forms or ways to allow them to kind of still play with these models. It's interesting. I was a part of a conversation recently where I was hearing people talk about in, in this one organization where it's kind of like has more traditional work norms, hasn't worked with contract workers and people that only work two or three days a week where they're saying like, we really need to break down this model. And I often go back to the movie Nine to Five, where it's kind of like they had all these different, you know, things. It's like 1980 where this movie came out and it's like a long time ago. And yet we still like, where did job sharing go? Where did some of these like on-site daycare go? Like, I mean, these things that we would have thought could have become norms to facilitate people being able to be both ambitious about life and work haven't really taken shape. And what I'm hearing you say, Wade, is like, how do we allow for, how do we in our society allow for different models, right? To take shape that better support people in navigating this. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, this then opens up a whole can of worms of what's happening in our government and actually how is corporate, how are corporate cultures using their money and resources to give back to community uh, culture and, and, you know, what's that whole system look like? So yeah, I mean, this is a huge topic. I know. I know. We're going to solve it here. All of the, yeah. <laughs> right now. Fast pace. Yes, exactly. Well, I mean, to, one of the things that I think is coming up for me in this too, and because I was saying, you were saying there's can be this conflict of ambition. And one of the things that I think about in this too, and it, it actually takes us back to the start of the conversation, and maybe this will start bring us back and we can start to wrap up way. But I, 
Because I also think that there can be conflict of ambition where we can be ambitious about wanting to do multiple things at once, and yet we can't do it all at once. And so how do we think about it? It brings us back to that cadencing again, or I talk about these different arcs, and I think there's arcs in life as well as around one's work where you're kind of like, what is it time for now? And so I, I just want to bring that forward because I think that's one way for people to think about when they're wrestling with these conflicts. And I think it is, is to think about what is it time for now? What is this arc about? And I think it might bring in this conversation too when we were talking about partners as well in terms of how do you each cadence supporting what is present for for the other um, or what's present for one's family. So I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing is that we get to unhook from all of these societal mental maps that are out there. So for instance, I was just having drinks with a bunch of girlfriends the other night, and a lot of them are getting antsy to switch careers. And some don't want to stay in the same career trajectory. And that's kind of swirling this whole question of, well, if I wanted to pivot completely, like what would that look like? And would I be able to stay in the same pay bracket and, you know, all the things that kind of, what would my role be and title and all those things that there's curiosity around. And I think we get to remember that we can be ambitious and have these uh, huge pivots at, at any point at any stage of our life. You know, I had a family friend growing up who went back to law school at the age of 50 mm. and completely shifted his career. He was a stay-at-home dad and went back to law school and became a lawyer and, you know, is working full-time as a lawyer still. And so just how it doesn't have to look like what we think or sh it should look like. And I think getting clear on all of the shoulds is, is huge. And that's where like, it's important to tap in and to listen to what's internal so that we can know like what actually is important to me and what arc do I want to, to use your language, what arc do I want to focus on right now? Yeah, for sure. For sure. That just brought up for me and I'll, I'm just going to throw this in really quickly, which Please. is um, this idea that, you know, when I think about pacing and long-term goals, and even as you're saying, because as I was listening to you saying, your friend in that 50, like going back to school and shifting gears, like it just brings up, like it's never too late to, like, even though, you know, you started with like, oh my gosh, must meet my goals right away. The panic, yeah. yeah. And then it's kind of also like, oh, and it's never too late to kind of go and try different things. And it's funny because I actually have some people in my world who've been fortunate living in Silicon Valley. Um, uh, not surprising that I have some people in my network who've been fortunate and they've retired pretty early. And I also have, you know, and somebody in my family who retired pretty early and I now see them at the age of approaching 80. And I'm like, I look at both of those two things. So people kind of in their late forties, early fifties already retired, somebody who retired in their early fifties and like now cl getting close to 80. And I look at that and I'm like, oh my gosh, if I check out or I don't stay engaged or I don't have some pacing to interests in my life, like I get nervous. I'm going to be 
bored. And so like there's to me, pacing and goals also kind of for me becomes uh, how do I stay engaged in life and how do I make sure that um, because my engagement and growth and learning is like really important for me. So Mm -hmm. I think that at least for me, this idea of pacing has real practical measures to kind of like my overall life happiness. Yeah. And I think that's really important to recognize is like the, the gift of goal setting, the gift of having these clear objectives. And as I'm hearing you talk about it, Kathy, like ways you get to live your values of growth, of impact, of it sounds like stimulation, creativity, like all these other things I know about you. And I think sometimes we can white knuckle or attach too much weight to the end result of that goal or that outcome that we can then miss the journey talking about, you know, back to racing and how can we be present for it all? That it's not just about getting to that end goal, but it's like, how can we enjoy the the pacing of, of, of the journey to it. And know that's just as important. Yeah. I love that Wade. Well, I'm wondering if there's, I'm going to like kind of close with just a final thing, perhaps that I'd love to kind of leave folks with, and just something, if they're listening to this conversation where we've kind of you know, we didn't plan this. It was like a little, I don't know if this followed followed a thread for folks, but I think I'll pull it together in this way that like my hope for those of you listening is that what you'll start to think about is like, what, what do I want for myself in my life? Mm-hmm. What do I want this journey to be about? And how am I going to pace things for myself and allow myself and give myself that permission to kind of set my own pace, whatever that might look like for you. Mm-hmm. So, and I'll just build on that beautiful point, right? And, and to really untangle from the shoulds of life and to recognize that your own journey is your beautiful, unique own journey. And it can be hard to set those expectations down of other people. But what really matters is you know, your own values, your own life and the impact that you want to create in this world. Mm, love that, Wade. Well, this has been fun to be in these conversations. So fun, talking so about fun to pace. geek out. Yeah, yes. geek out around this. And I feel like this is, you know, for me, just so many seeds have been planted and I'm excited to continue to walk with this theme and notice where else it starts to show up in my life. Same, same. Thanks so much for being in conversation, Wade. Thanks, Kathy. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Sustainable Ambition Podcast. I hope you take away at least one learning or inspiration from today's conversation. Find more inspiring interviews and get show notes for this episode at sustainableambition.com slash podcast. Make sure you don't miss an episode or my insider tips, guides, and tools by signing up for Sustainable Ambition Forum, my twice monthly newsletter. Sign up at sustainableambition.com slash subscribe. And remember, it's not about finding work-life balance. It's about building work-life resilience. Thanks again for joining me. Speak with you next time.